Hello, you are listening to Leaders' Voices from the Leaders of Africa Project, a broadcast that focuses on leadership and the experiences of thought leaders across African countries. My name is Peter Pinar. I'm a political science researcher here at Michigan State University in the United States. And my name is Michael Conte. I'm a criminal justice, gender, and development researcher at Michigan State University. We are the host of this Leaders of Africa project broadcast. In this inaugural episode, we present our interview with Kenyan civil society leader, Mr. Kennedy Masime, who is the executive director of the Center for Governance and Development and the national coordinator of the National Taxpayers Association. We asked Mr. Masime about his interest in civil society work and experiences at the Center for Governance and Development. We also asked Mr. Masime about his views on civil society's important role in Kenya's upcoming 2017 general elections in August. What inspires citizens to work for civil society organizations? What impact can civil society organizations make in the democracy and governance space? What role will Kenyan civil society play in promoting free and fair elections? We pose these questions and many others to our guest, Mr. Kennedy Masime. Mr. Masime is presently the executive director of the Center for Governance and Development and the national coordinator of the National Taxpayers Association. He has also been the national coordinator for the Elections Observation Group, ELOG's mission during the 2013 Kenyan elections, and he was involved with Kenya's Elections Domestic Observation Forum, off during the 2007 elections. Mr. Masime joined us via Skype from Nairobi, Kenya. Welcome, Mr. Masime, to the Leaders of Africa Project. Thank you very much. It's good to have you. Thank you very much, Mr. Masime. We're excited to have you to join us here with this first inaugural broadcast. Uh, what brought you to civil society work and what, 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 what was your inspiration? Uh, by the time I was in college, and that's the mid to late 90s, uh, there were very few options. Uh, for a graduate who was, uh, I would say, concerned, yes, uh, because that was the peak of the uh, Kanu rule. We were, he had just introduced multi party politics, but Kanu was still in power. Uh, if you read the history of Kenya, um, that was our worst in terms of governance, of bad governance. And so, uh, the private sector was basically zero. Uh, working with the government was not an option for some of us, so civil society was the only avenue where we could uh, uh, contribute. So you would say civil society was kind of an alternative route in terms of uh, what you could do in society in terms of your contributions? Yes, constructively, given we uh, we studied political science in school and we, we, we felt uh, things could have been done differently. So civil society was the only avenue. And did you have at, at, at any time when you were a student in political science aspirations to be involved in politics? Um, was that something you were interested in, but the Kanu route was sort of closed off to some people, or, or were you just interested in more outside of government pressure, organization, and things like this? No, I, I, personally, I've never had a lot of uh, interest in politics, but the professional bit of it of, of contributing policy uh, change. And, and, and uh, by then, what was uh, on the table was constitutional and legal reforms. Mm-hmm. From a technical point of view, yes. 
And and how did things change? You mentioned um, the Kanu era, and then we have multi-party politics. I mean, what? And then all, obviously we have the 2002 watershed election for for Narc Kenya. Um, how how have things sort of, in your view, changed in terms of how civil societies evolved through those those different periods of transition that took place? Yeah, you could say uh, uh, pre pre. 91. You know, you know multipartism was introduced in 1991, in December. Pre that, I think we, we got to the, 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 the peak of now dictatorship, authoritarian uh, system, and then the society reacted. And of course, the wind of change was blowing all over there. The third wave was blowing all over, all over the globe. Then we got uh, multipartism, but of course, it was just the mere reintroduction of multiparty. A multi-party system, but the, 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 the structures, the constitution, and all the, the, the systems were still uh, authoritarian. So it's a period of now working for change, changing the structures, uh, and educating the society began, and that's how civil society came in. And I think, uh, the, the, like you rightfully say, the, the 2002 was watershed, because that was the culmination of the efforts of civil society and, and, and actually, if you look at the, the individuals who got into government, even the opposition, you know, they were working very closely with civil society. It's a civil society that even brought the opposition together and convened the initial meetings that uh, formed the National Rainbow Coalition. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's civil society, uh, I mean, strongly influenced even the, the development agenda, the strategy, the planning uh, document that uh, NAC worked on for the first five years. So you could say, Basically, as people say, it was a civil society government. Uh, so that, for the first time, after healing in for about uh, 10 years, that civil society got an opportunity to make a change in government and also bring a government that uh, was made up of civil society types that was really keen on making changes. Actually, the promise of the, the group then was that they would change the constitution within 100 days. Of course, the dynamics changed and they didn't happen, but a lot changed after that. That's very interesting. Yeah, that that's part of that history there. Now, a, cur- a question I had was, did any of your peers who are also political science students, did, did a lot of them go into politics or did most go into civil society or into other um, fields that were there at the time? You bet a number of them uh, went into politics. Uh, so you can talk of peers in terms of my classmates, but... Uh, most of the people, especially even our senior, the ones who are inducted us into civil society, some of them got into parliament, like the leading civil society lights. Some of them got into parliament. A number of commissions were set up. Some of them got appointed into the commission. And specialist government agencies like the Kenya Anti-Corruption Commission. Uh, we have we had even people like John Githoma being appointed PS uh, in charge of uh, ethics. Uh, so a lot of people got into government uh, in various uh, capacities from civil society. Yeah. Now, moving slightly from civil society, but what's uh, what's happening uh, surrounding the USAID in US? Uh, many analysts have been considering the impact of changes to foreign aid. Uh, do you feel uh, or anticipate a change in uh, landscape when it comes to foreign aid? And uh, w- what are some of the main changes you're already experiencing. Yeah, if I pick up from where I left, you know, at the point of, uh, at the height of the Kano dictatorship, uh, we, we had uh, the, the, the donor community 
in supporting civil society very strongly, uh, interventing directly. You remember the, 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 the they used to call him the rogue ambassador. The, the US ambassador to Kenya then was hands-on in terms of supporting civil society activity and supporting change in Kenya. That's right. Uh, then, yes, the, then uh, when NAC came in, the, things changed a little bit. Uh, first of all, people got disoriented. Uh, you know, it, after a long struggle, we felt like maybe we had arrived. Uh, you could even see donors had a, a lot of confidence in government and came up with a pro, pro, project like that. That's when we, we there was this uh, pro, project, sector-wide project called GJA Laws, mm-hmm. where the, the, the government brought in civil society, the, the, the donors and governments sat in a committee, brought in civil society, and they were supposed to work on, you know, sector-wide uh, project. Uh, things like uh, financial management uh, strategy, uh, reform development, and uh, uh, public sector reforms. Uh, the idea was, and then we uh, shortly after there, uh, thereafter we had uh, the peer, African peer review mechanism. We had this big reform project because there was that opening, and the people needed to do some uh, thing, something about it. So that brought in a bit of confusion. So funding now changed a little bit. Eh? Instead of now funding civil society to, to put pressure on government. There was this fundings in terms of basket that also included government, but also emphasis on the uh, supply, I mean, demand side. So they, they, I think that's why I started, I started here in that uh, terminology of funding the supply side and also funding the demand side. And there was a bit of that tra- trajectory. Uh, of course, there was the unfortunate uh, thing of uh, election fallout in 2007 and, 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 and the, the ethnic violence. But then we, we sort of got our uh, traction together and came up with the, the control review process and this massive, you know, uh, change of laws following the, the enactment of the constitution. And then, uh, 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 maybe if I can get into the details, you know, uh, because of the, the post election violence and the weak justice system in Kenya, the ICC intervened. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that set the pace uh, for the next elections in 2013. Where you, 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 as you are aware, we had the, 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 our, our presidential candidate and the the, the DPT mm-hmm. having cases at the head. Now this set the tone of of, 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 of the elections because they played on nationalistic uh, sentiments. Uh, even drawing parallels between them, one of them was the, the son of the. I mean, you know, our president is the son of the founding father of this nation, also Jomo Kenyatta. Uh, so Kenyatta was prosecuted and. Uh, you know, came out of jail uh, to state house, became the, the first prime minister of Kenya. Uh, so they they, they went two parallels with that and say uh, we have the external, you know, countries trying to intervene and determine the choice of leadership in Kenya, and that's really worked. And they, they got overwhelming support. So by the point they got, and, and you know, the donors were trying to isolate them. Actually, I am I'm aware of being the chairman of uh, ELOC then, that mm-hmm. there was this policy of essential contact. Uh, as in, they, they could not talk with the, uh, what do you call it, suspects. So they were, maybe when they, 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 they saw they were seriously got, uh, angling for power, they were talking with their teams, but they were, they were not, there was no direct contact between them and the, the embassies and donor agencies then. Uh, so that created a bit of tension. So by the time they they, they got in, uh, I think there was already a paralysis, and I think they gave the, the, the embassies a bit of a cold soldier for some time. Uh, the, the ambassador that was sending in then took some time to be accredited, uh, and uh, the donors were 
Like where was this country? Was that was it the U.S. ambassador? No, no, no. The U.S. ambassador was in time, but I know the the the, the, the German, the new German ambassador, the Indian ambassador. They took some time to to get accredited. There were a chain, a number of them for six months. Mm-hmm. And then what happened now? The donors also now realizing that uh, the, the, what they the, what, the, the, the individual they, they they were calling suspects got into power. The, the, the big vision was: Will they cooperate with the ICC or not? Mm-hmm. So that most of the governance programs, I think people adopted a wait and see attitude in terms of do we continue with our own program? The, the, the dynamic of change. Uh, if the Kenyan leadership does not cooperate with the ICC, so what do we do? Do we, do we put in sanctions or something like that? And, and that really cost about uh, you know, six months or so until the, 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 the DPT president first, and then the president actually went to the head. Uh, to, to answer to the charges. Uh, and then, uh, but since then, I think the dynamics have changed in terms of uh, uh, the donor funding. Because, like, I, I know there was a, we were building up to a big USID uh, project. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called a Hadi. Hadi is Israeli, which means uh, uh, an undertaking. But the, 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 the full, uh, if you fill it out, it was like the Agile Harmonized Something Something program. Okay. Which was supposed to be about uh, uh, several uh, billion Kenyan ceiling. And, and for governors, that's a big project. Mm-hmm. That didn't take off when the new administration came in uh, because they refused to sign into it. And they were very clear that uh, you know, they didn't want funding going to civil society. And there were a lot of those where cooperation, because they, they, following the 2002 election, the, the, the arrangement was that uh, uh, it was a partnership between the government, the development partners, and civil society. And each will get their share. But now, when the government was not cooperating, uh, we experience a drying up of funding for civil society and especially for governance and, uh, and, and advocacy work, which I believe has only gotten worse. Mm-hmm. And how so as we have talk, you been talk, able to adapt, we, particularly in that time where the ICC case was maybe influencing uh, some of the donors, as you mentioned? Were you able to adapt programs into different areas, um, you know, different sectors, or or anything that you were doing to adapt to that that changing climate? Those who can, who could adopt it, uh, for, 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 but, but uh, you know, like uh, at the Center for Governance and Development, uh, we were hosting a number of uh, initiatives. Which, which, which are now organizing themselves. You you mentioned uh, the National Taxpayers Association, which I'm the national secretary uh, and the founding CEO. They are now independent uh, because they are fo- focusing on uh, sectors such as education, health, but from an accountability point of view. Uh, from where I sit, you can see uh, they, they, they are fine. But uh, it was very difficult to adopt for those organizations that were focusing on governance and advocacy, basically. And I think across the board, most of them are, are, are experiencing a dip in funding and have really scaled down their operations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now moving on to the the 2007 elections, the upcoming one, and and uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, your role serving as chairman for the uh, ELOG mission in 2013. I'm curious, going towards this election, and obviously civil society is preparing for election observation, monitoring efforts, uh, support for the electoral process, um, what sort of 
Uh, what was your experience at that time with eLog? And, and you can also talk about Kedoff a little bit. Um, but what was your experience at eLog and, and what sort of lessons are civil society thinking about as they're preparing for this election support in, in the variety of forms that it will come? Ah, it's an interesting bit. I, I was remotely associated with the Kedoff but I actually was working on a, a coalition. Uh, we used to call it, uh, and it still is, because it still exists, the Coalition for Accountable Program Financing, mm-hmm. which was somehow working very closely to ELOC, but monitoring only one particular theme on election, which is political finance, campaign financing. But we were working very closely with the KEDOF. Uh, as you are aware, KEDOF had a bit of challenges. You know, that's when the electoral process broke down and there was violence, and uh, KEDOF. But of course, the, 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 the tradition, if I go back a bit, uh, the tradition had been that uh, election observation was ad hoc, in the sense that uh, every year since 1992, an outfit was set up by civil society coming together, even if they are the same, more or less the same players, but they used to wait until maybe six to three months up to the election. That's when they cobble up something and then use that as a platform, joint platform for, for monitoring uh, elections and observing them. In 2007, I think it was worse because they they, 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 they they really came together very close to the election. So before they they, they, they got themselves established, the elections came and then they, they, they became very difficult, which means that Kedoff was not able to deliver. I think the report came much later. When we had the commission, the, the particular commission that was uh, uh, investigating the facts around the, the elections and how to move forward, I think they, they and, uh, the Kedoff did not even have a report. I think they gave uh, what I call an affirmative. They gave them an affirmative action because they asked them, please give us even a draft. And you remember how long the commission sat. By the time they were closing uh, shop, the Kedoff was not ready with the report. I think they, they, they called for a draft and got something. So yeah. part of the recommendations of that uh, commission was that because of the experience with the Kedoff, then we need to have a broad-based civil society platform to monitor the election and other, preferably the platforms will be established in a permanent basis, and uh, it's around that uh, around uh, that recommendation and, the, and also learning from the experience of the failure of Kedo that we established a lot as a permanent platform, and we we, we tried with the twenty ten referendum might work, and uh, for the first time we had a platform that worked from twenty ten right up to the twenty thirteen election. So the experience was that. Elog had a lot of, because I think what what happened in 2007, Elog had a lot of goodwill, uh, both from civil society and uh, from the development partners, and even the government agencies, which wanted something to be in place that can work. So we got a lot of support, and uh, I believe it, it, it worked fairly well. Of course, there were challenges with elections and uh, the, 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 the enactment of laws that took a bit of time. Uh, so there was a bit of pressure towards, and everybody suffered out of that, even the IBC. If you look at it up to that point, there's a, there's a, a, a point in which you could sympathize with them. Because there were a lot of changes uh, that pushed into almost the next end of the elections. If you bring in the issues of procurement of the, 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 the technology things, uh, the elections did not go to the satisfaction of everybody. So adopting that uh, long-term perspective, from where I see it, I thought, uh, as Kenyans, we will just pick up from where we left and then improve on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, that was the, the, the disappointment I see because uh, uh-huh. everybody took a break. Uh, one year, two years, nothing doing. Even from the IABC, just reviewing, doing an evolution, there, nothing happened. 
So even when they were doing, you know, voter registration, rolling voter registration, nobody's sort of watching any of those processes or, or yeah, 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 affairs in between. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was, there was this like, okay, we had an election that uh, people say they, they, we, you have a focus on peace, yes, but it, we sort of held together. But then you, you would expect that after that, then people take a big a, a seat and review where we came from and where the gaps were. So that did not happen at the level of government, the politicians, even civil society, and even IB itself. They took a lot of time before they, they, they came back and started uh, working on the elections. Yeah. Uh, even along that was, we, we had set up as a permanent platform and we were lucky that uh, from the referendum, we didn't have a break for the first time in our history. Up to 2013, we were running operation and even up to 2014, because we even followed a few by-elections. Then that was the end of it. Uh, after the, the funding went on, then uh, the, the secretary became dominant mm -hmm. uh, and he <laughs> didn't arrive. He didn't activate properly until right. maybe a month ago. It so here is a case where Mr. in 2013, sorry, I say it seems to be a challenge. But again, a related question to that, what you've been saying is also why yes. do uh, primary elections and also candidate selection continue to be a struggle? Yeah, so yeah, talking about those those uh, primary elections, and yeah. you know, it, it seems like. Uh, you know, who isn't responsible? You have the parties dealing with them, That's you right. know, but you also have, you know, the election commission and the legal system now, you know, dealing with issues in these primaries, you know, and and as you're talking about civil society, exactly. you know, not being involved, at least at the outset, you know, in the cutoff process and the ad hoc process in these you know, very important processes that happen outside of election. I mean, yeah, what what do you think of these primary elections? And also, is civil society providing any support in, in monitoring or, or viewing these processes? You, you, you know, uh, like I said, in the, the, the countdown to 2013, mm -hmm. I think because of the experience of uh, the 207 elections, people were very positive and they, 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 that's when people sat down. I mean, if you look at the development community, that mm -hmm. this is a long-term election is not an event yeah, it's right. a process mm -hmm. and we should talk about the electoral circle not the elections and the preparation should begin from one circle to the other and we, mm -hmm. we, we we get better by time with time sorry but that did not happen uh even even in terms of the legal reform like i told you for, because of the 2013 uh no 2010 constitution, which was a new constitution, it was now to be operationalized by, through the enactment of ena enabling legislation, including the political parties law and all those laws that uh, uh, focus on parties. Mm -hmm. <laughs> by the time we got to the, 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 the 2013 election, the election campaign financing law, for instance, was not enacted. It was enacted in 2013 after the elections. Mm -hmm. But uh, believe it or not, that was it. People sat, like I said, everybody took a break. Uh, to a point where even the regulations to the elections for the, the elections campaign financing act have not been finalized so that means it's not going to impact on the the, 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 the 2013 mm -hmm. uh, elections uh, you, you get my point yeah uh as we were approaching 2013 politicians being who they are you know they don't know they, are, they have a vested interest it's people the, the, the candidates even if they are even when they are in parliament they know that uh their time is coming with the party nomination and everything. So they, they messed up the law. 
and, and change a few things, uh, like party hopping, they allowed it up to the very last minute. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there were a number of changes to uh, selfish changes to the law, like uh, things like uh, vetting laws. Uh, the initial drafts by the, 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 the Anti-Corruption Commission, for instance, required that uh, a level of education, compliance with the tax and everything, maybe the, 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 the university loans, the, the ones that are provided by the government, that you needed to be compliant to a certain level for you to be allowed. Uh, but uh, they, they kicked out all, of, all, all, all those things, and, and the environment, I think, was, uh, was, was uh, informed it. You remember we had candidates uh, who were uh, suspects in uh, uh, ICC, Mm -hmm. And then someone has to determine whether they are eligible to run or not. So, so I think that lowered the bar and everybody followed suit. So by the time we were approaching the next election, everything was messed up. You remember, we, the build up to 2013, we even had to change the, the commission again. Remember, after the, the 2007 chaos, we sent home the, the, that commission. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, because, because of the, 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 the difference between uh, especially the opposition. The, 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 the court then and then now NASA, mm -hmm. they, 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 they put pressure until now we had to send at least this time around, not, not the entire commission but the commissioners, we send them home then you are bringing a new team a year into the election and <laughs> then you change uh, the, the laws you, you, drastically. You actually yes, pointed yes. out that uh, elections are not uh, it's not an event but it's a process so looking forward uh, how prepared is the election commission for managing election and, and, and what would you say uh, the, the, the most challenge that requires attention? One thing I will say is that uh, I doubt if they are properly pre prepared and, and, and I was giving the reason. Uh, one, because of the, 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 the political uh, 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 stalemate, mm -hmm. Between the commission and the opposition in, in the in the past season, and of course by extension the the, the, the ruling party, uh, there was a statement that made sure that preparations were held in abeyance and the laws were negotiated through a joint parliamentary committee and a new commission appointed. And they, by, the, by the point, the time they were being appointed, you know, the time had passed. So for this, the the new commission to hit the ground running, uh, I doubt if they are prepared, and, and also. Uh, the, the laws, the new laws that uh, were, were enacted recently, some of them were not, are not practical vis-a-vis -vis the timelines into the next elections. So that, that's a challenge. And then uh, that's why you, you find even the, 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 the parties, uh, because they, they, they have not allowed the, the laws to work, and they have introduced a lot of certainty, uncertainty. Like now, one of the, 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 the laws that was passed, and it was really pushed by the ruling party, was that the commission should conduct party nominations upon mm -hmm. invitation by yeah. uh, any party. Uh, of course, the position was not for it, and even the commission was not for it. Was like like you have, you have seen, they are not the resources are not allocated, and the the, the, the the party nominations are normally very messy. So the commission did not want to dirty its hands. Just it, it, it wanted to focus on the proper uh, election. So. Uh, I feel that, and then the procurement for, for technology thing, which uh, the opposition is insisting on, uh, and the logistics and everything, training, that has not happened. And I think that's where the, normally the problem starts. And, and uh, when, 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 when we have like uh, party strongholds in Kenya, so I think the mess is already started. If the primaries are a mess, there are regions where if you get the, 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 the dominant party ticket there, then you are as good as elected. So you can see 
<laughs> by the time we are getting into the elections, yeah, uh, the mess is already exactly. happened. Yeah, that that issue because you know if you're, for example, in Rift Valley and you receive that uh, nomination, that, that's it. You're, it, you're, you're, ticket, yes. you're most likely going to win. As, uh, Nobody would yeah. bet against you. Absolutely. And yeah. And, but, but you see, the parties are not willing to, sorry to cut you, sorry. they're not willing to follow the, the law. Like now, mm-hmm. what they do is, as per the law, they used to have registered members mm-hmm. who then vote in party primaries. But you know, what they are doing is impossible. So it's, it's only that chaos and crafty pillows who manage. They try to do universal elections mm. with a budget of about one billion per party, for instance. Uh, that's being too general. When you have IBC conducting the same election with a, with a, a, a 50, 60 billion. So that means lo- it's logistically impossible to conduct universal primaries for party nomination. So normally it scales. Uh, candidates will intervene. Uh, the logistics, you people will, someone will ferry people, say, say they, 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 they can do who are, who are willing to, uh, you know, that is their hands who get a nomination. So it's, you can't even say someone has won fairly or unfairly. And if you have that, uh, those circumstances, uh, uh, to determine who will become the, you know, the election leader, then you, you see where the mess is. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. thinking about the opposition party in all of this, um, you know, NASA, the super alliance, we'll see how this process, obviously things change. It's a very, yes. uh, in Kenya, every election there are changes, shifting alliances, but right now we have yes, the yes. NASA super alliance. Uh, and I'm wondering, the opposition is talking about doing various things in terms of monitoring the elections and, um, you know, setting up parallel vote tallies and things like this. Right. I'm curious what yes. your thoughts are from the civil society perspective about what they should be doing now. Because yeah. when we get to the election, after, particularly after the election and their petitions and stuff, mm-hmm. people say, what was the opposition doing? Exactly. You know, there, yet there, were they preparing themselves or... Were they taking the right steps, or were they acting productively in the process? And so, I'm I'm curious from your point of view, what could they be doing in that area right now, um, in, or in these next few months? We, we with the benefit of hindsight, uh, from what I saw when I was chairing Elog in 2013, I, I believe they made a, a big mess out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the sense that they, they, they didn't prepare themselves in terms of even training and mobilizing and deploying. Uh, uh, agents, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why they, I, I believe, they failed at the petition level because they, they, they didn't have any evidence. Uh, it takes a bit of logistical, uh, you know, background work to do mm-hmm. parallel uh, tabulation because we, as I know, we, we we did it during the referendum and also in 2013, and we do a sample, and you still find the logistics. You know, it, those are sleepless nights. Now parties want to do it, and I think they will, they will, go, they will go universal because they have an interest in every, every other polling stream and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, polling station. Which, as things stand now, I think we are talking about 45,000 mm-hmm. polling streams. You know, you get, you get that point. So, mob, uh, mobilizing uh, those numbers, training people, uh, having enough resources to pay them, uh, to be able to feed it to whatever mechanism you have, it really it's some logistics called, uh, you know, uh, that needs to be uh, serious uh, thinking. If you look at uh, the way they manage, uh, I mean, across the board, they manage their primaries, both Jubilee and NASA, then you, you really feel that they really need to do some serious work if they wanted to pull it through. Now, one of the things that you notice 
when we think about election petitions in other countries, not just Kenya, but other countries, is that they've been very unsuccessful um, in pushing for any sort of national level, particularly national level mitigation to, to problems that are even present when you look at, you know, discrepancies between, you know, tally center, polling station, things like this, mm-hmm. things that should be simple. Um, yes. Because there's a there's a sense or perhaps a sense of fear of, of, uh, on behalf of justices that if they take this measure, what kind of precedent will that set? Mm-hmm. Where do you draw the line? All these different complications there. And so one of the concerns that some opposition parties have have um, have signaled in Kenya is that they had a lot of great faith in the um, uh, grievance process last time. It was under the new constitutional dispensation and such. Mm-hmm. Yes, but and this I'm not- time they say, you know, we're not that confident in that. And so, and looking at the legal processes and the mitigation ability, how does Kenya stand? Are they any better than they were last time in terms of dealing with election grievances, um, both before the election, but mainly after the election, if there are um, complaints that are there? Then I'll I'll take a step back and go back to 207, where, where the problem was. In 2007, uh, the, the problem, and why I mean, the, the, it, it broke into, uh, into violence, was that uh, people did not have the trust. Even, even if I go to, the, was it, uh, I think it's 97, where, where uh, the, we had a similar problem, tension between the opposition and the government, and they, they, they came up with the inter-party parliamentary group agreement, mm-hmm. where they, 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 they agreed that they would be appointing commissioners on a prorated basis. So the 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 the, the, the ECK then was appointed by the political parties, according to the you know the numbers in parliament. So when it came to two or two, the, the, the then president remitted on that, and when the vacancies arose, he appointed unilaterally commissioners. So people did not have faith in in the commission. Two, uh, because of the being messed up over time, uh, maybe uh, over a long period of dictatorship, people did not trust the the, the court. It was not an independent court system. Of the judiciary, it was leaning towards the executive. Uh, two, I mean, the civil society and these other groups, the religious group, because of the referendum, they had, they had become partisan, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so there was no neutral arbiter outside of the, 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 the politicians. So it's around, around those circumstances that we appoint the election. So that's why the position was like, we're not going to court. It's a waste of time. You know, the, 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 the bias is there. So after the, the, the 207 chaos, then this we tried to fix this by appointing an independent commission. But like I would say, if you look at the, the way the commission was appointed then, it should be a case study on how to appoint an independent commission. All the, all the, all the, the right steps were, were taken. Then we reformed the, the, courts, the, the, the judiciary and even came up with a Supreme Court that was supposed to now uh, hear presidential petition. Uh, so, so those are some of the things that uh, allowed 2013, even if it was, it was a, a cliffhanger, but it allowed 2013 to hold because people knew there was a recourse. Now, unfortunately, the experience of 2013 eroded faith. Uh, I normally say the, 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 the institutions and mechanisms were battered, but I don't think we have repaired them enough. Like now, if we had to add a, have a situation of uh, like 2007 or 2013, I think people will be reluctant to trust the court uh, to be the arbiter. And then, like now, the confidence level that uh, the IEBC used to enjoy in the countdown to the 2030 election, they don't enjoy that level of confidence. But people have seen gaps 
and uh, people trust they will they'll be family they will be some of the family so that's why some of us fear that uh, in, in 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 the case of a breakdown then we might have a two or seven situation as opposed to the uh, 2013 situation where at least we had tried to think of the institution and a bit of faith that they would now work but sort of they didn't work properly and uh, that eroded faith uh, in them and that's those are the circumstances under which we are now approaching the 2017 elections. And, you know, connecting, you know, finally on this last point, is is the opposition looking to do anything better to, to you know, work within the legal context here? You, you talked about what they should be doing, you know, recruiting Parji agents and training them, preparing them for, for the election. Are they doing any of that? Um, what kind of support do they need? Do they turn to civil society or anyone else um, that's out there to support those efforts? Uh, you know, what's going on in there right now? It, it, maybe they are planning to do that. Remember, they, 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 they had they a big hurdle to surmount, which was to get the flag bearers and, they, and, and, and then organize themselves. So that took a bit of, there was a bit of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So we, we had like several uh, parties uh, that only the other day came together as the National Super Alliance, and then they didn't have a flag bearer, and it could go either way. So, who, I mean, I mean, maybe they were doing preliminary work, but they, they didn't know what to do. But now, it's now, and already they are under a bit of time pressure now that they have gelled together and managed to identify the flag bearer and agree on how they are going to share power. So they, are, they, they, they should just begin now. The other thing that they could do within the legal framework, I think they tried. Remember the riots and uh, uh, the stalemate, and then the the, 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 the consensus in terms of uh, coming up with a joint uh, parliament and the Senate committee that uh, came up with uh, some of the laws. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, the question I want to bring to your attention again, Mr. Masime, is like. In your view, um, you, you you see the 2013 election. Uh, we talked about the parallel um, vote tabulation in the election. Yes, yes. So yes. how do you think this can contribute positively to confidence in, in the upcoming election? And will it take place this, this time around? Yeah, Elog is planning one. Uh, and normally, uh, from my experience, and even in other jurisdictions, uh, it you know if I go back to to, to two or seven, uh, here's a situation where the electoral process broke down, mm-hmm. uh, like the 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 the, 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 chairman, uh, the, the chairman of the the curricula, the, the chairman of the communal yeah. There was no way you could determine who won the election and who lost. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a PBT, for instance, the, the sample based one, where you you have rapid, uh, you know, real time. Uh, results, then uh, in, in, from where I see it, this can at least help people in civil society build confidence in the elections and in, 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 in the unlikely event that the official process collapses, then at least someone has evidence uh, that can direct people on what actually transpired. And I think that what, that's what uh, NASA is also, the opposition uh, alliance, super alliance is also trying to do. Because you can normally get to a situation where nobody has data. Yeah. You know, even 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 in terms of I mean conflict mitigation, you need some data to to at least show what happened, and that's why we are we are doing parallel vote tabulation. 
a learning lesson from 207 where there was no data to give direction. Well, one thing I'll add here that some people now find concerning about the parallel vote tabulation, as you mentioned, some of the good points that it, particularly in, in, in light of 2007, where, you know, it was, uh, it was um, determined after a number of weeks uh, without any uh, knowledge of the election results behind closed doors, yes, all yes, the yes, lack yes, of yes, transparency yes. that the ECK had. That's right. But one of the concerns yes. with PVT is that oftentimes we do actually see, um, I've seen this in Cote d'Ivoire recently and in other cases where the PVT results, obviously, because it's a statistical study, it gives you that, you know, yes. 95%, you know, confidence, yes. the interval around yes, yes. The, the results, yes. right? Um, and usually the election commission's results oftentimes are within those intervals, which I guess is good because that shows that there's no blatant uh, election yes. uh, malfeasance. But when we look at last election, the 50 plus one rule in Kenya, you know, 5,000 yes. votes or so difference that uh, uh, can avoid a certain outcome. You know, some people suggest that the PVT, you know, doesn't open the door for a contest or any sort of grievance. They say, right. you know, look, the um, results are within the PVT results. So what are you complaining about? The, it may not mean that there hasn't been any issues, but some political actors are not necessarily well versed on the co the concept of the confidence interval or the statistical approach. So I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on, on, on that critique of PVT. I still believe uh, PVT is a proper insurance to have. Mm -hmm. Of course, when when the when, 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 when the margins are too close, then as a tool, then it, it it's rendered uh, you know uh, important. Uh, like you rightfully say, the the votes that really determined uh, uh, that uh, the, the, the current president won uh, in the first round was about eight thousand votes. So when it comes to that, then. Uh, Maybe PVT cannot help you, but imagine a situation where the electoral process was messed, and then there was a uh, you know massive rigging. Then PVT will be able to detect that, and I think it's a good thing to have around just because of that alone. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. um, thinking about uh, the preparations for civil society and international election observation for these elections in August. Um, and being involved with that process, obviously not as the chairman that, as you were in ELOG for ELOG in 2013, yes. but in, still involved in the steering committee. Um, how are those yes. preparations going? Um, what's going well? And what are perhaps some challenges um, that, that are being faced here with, with a few months to go before election? From where I see it, it's like we have taken a, a number of steps backwards. Like I told you, we used to be ad hoc, and that's why 207 hit us hard and kind of just, I will just say it, it failed uh, miserably. So the idea was now to come up with a permanent platform that engages with the electoral cycle, mm -hmm. and not and that's, not to wait for the election or organize around uh, the last minute. Uh, unfortunately, because like I said, everybody closed shop over the elections, uh, support for civil society in terms of the long-term thing was not there. Uh, actively in terms of engaging with the election. I think uh, it just began this year, not even January. I think it was around February, uh, March. That's when the, the, the group is now gelling. Uh, and, and, and even the funding has really dipped. Uh, they, they, we will not get even a half. Uh, I mean, even if in fact inflation, we are not going to get even a half of what we got in 2013. So that means wow. 
And you were mentioning Everything. that 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 support earlier in the interview. You were mentioning that that support was a bit tentative as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, no. Now it's the the, the confirmed bid mm-hmm. is is less than a half. Wow. Of the the, the 2013 support, so you can imagine everything is going to be congested. I mean, we we are going to do the bare minimum, and you you can understand what that means. And so so is, so so from where I see it. What is Sorry? that bare minimum right now? As you we, see, we will do we will we, we will do a PVT. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will do uh, some general observation for presence, mm-hmm. but uh, we have lost the boat in terms of comprehensive monitoring in terms of the pre-elections activity. You know, elections in Africa, Uganda, Kenya, the ones I know. If you focus on E Day, the election day, I mean, they can run very well, mm-hmm. but the processes leading to that that can now determine whether they are free and fair. That's where the mess occurs. So if you don't focus on the processes leading up to the elections themselves, you've lost the vote. I mean, either you can go fairly well, even in, in dictatorship like Canada, uh, but uh, does, does that mean that elections are free and fair? They are not. Mm-hmm. And where should we be looking when we're, when we're judging the quality of these elections yes. that will happen in August? That's right. What, what things should we be looking at or being critical or keeping a watchful eye as, as you are um, going forward in this process? So, so I would say uh, in terms of engaging with the pre-elections activities and processes, uh, we've not been, uh, you know, it's just not, the, the monitoring has not been optimal. Now we are going into the, the, the elections themselves. That, that will be just the E-Day. Uh, so we, we want to see, uh, if you are to watch now, you want to see, actually watch IABC, I mean the Electoral Commission, and uh, just see the kind of process they are putting in place. Uh, we would want to see the register uh, shared, and we want to see that it's proper and that, 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 that there are no uh, several, you know, in 2013, mm-hmm. there were several registers. I, I mean, when the court process, you could see that there was that, that some green book somewhere. So we want a consolidated register that the, the, the official uh, process has happened in the sense that uh, KPMG was contracted to audit the register. Interesting. But we also want independent uh, verification from an LO point of view. And that's what we used to do even the, 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 uh, during the ACK. We need, we need to look at the register and as a ten, as civil society platform as observers that uh, it, 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 it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, we want to see the kind of security arrangements that are in place. Uh, we want to see if IBC will use uh, technology for verification, we want to see uh, the procurement. I mean, we want to be part of the, the procurement process. We want to see that they are transparent. We want to see, you know, once beaten, twice shy. Yeah, exactly. We want to see the logistics, I mean, the training and uh, the, the, what they put in place. Uh, simula- some simulations will happen uh, so that uh, at least we, we build confidence in the, in the processes uh, ahead of the elections themselves. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things we want to see in place. Uh, uh, to build confidence that uh, the election will be proper uh, well, and credible. On that note as well, is there anything else we've not covered? We've covered a lot of grounds yeah. that uh, you feel is relevant uh, um, from the lessons learned in 2007 and also going forward for the upcoming 2017 general elections in August that you like to highlight. Mm, not any that I can think of, because uh, I've just been summarizing what I've said, but I, I, I think I've highlighted uh, all the issues that I wanted to highlight. Just now, because the, I mean, we, we are into the penalty area, just the plans from the security arrangement and deployment and how transparent, uh, you know, they were. 
they are so that people will expect to see uh, uh, I mean where to go instead of, of, of you know uh, of a breakdown in the system who is responsible uh, coordination between the agencies uh, and, 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 and the political parties and civil society I think that's very important and and the last thing um, for the international observers uh, has that have you begun to establish working relationships with some of those that may be involved, such as the European Union and others who may come to Kenya to observe the elections? Are there going to be linkages formed there? Yeah, 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 yeah. We 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 are we, we are in touch with them, but uh, I would say it's low key. Uh, and and as possible, I mean, I'm sitting where I see that it's rather very frustrating, given the experience I had in 2013 when there was. I think because of the 2207 uh, chaos, there was a lot of uh, you know goodwill in terms of support and even caution in terms on uh, the part of players of trying to do things right. Uh, so uh, I, I can tell you as the chairman of Ella, by this time round you, you you would have met on the delegation delegation from all over. This will be their like, like their second or third visit uh, counting. Now you feel like think people have just moved on and uh, they don't see any threat. Uh, with the situation like it was in 2013, and it's a bit depressing. All right, well, Mr. Masime, thank you for your time, and uh, we appreciate your thoughts. Mr. Kennedy Masime is presently the Executive Director of Center for Governance and Development and the National Coordinator of the National Taxpayers Association. We spoke about civil society's involvement in ensuring quality elections. What explains the success of civil society election observation across African elections? The leaders of Africa Project will explore this question and others in subsequent broadcasts. Do you have thoughts on whether civil society organizations positively contribute to the quality of elections in your country? We want to hear from you. Email us your questions and comments at yourvoice@leadersofafrica.org. And that's it from us, Peter Pinar and Michael Conte, on this inaugural episode of Leaders' Voices from the Leaders of Africa Project. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Stay tuned.